It's a pleasure to have Richard Brown joining us today, CTO of R3. Richard, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Tina. No, it's fantastic. So um, we are going to uh, cover maybe uh, the last five years in enterprise blockchain and what's been happening at Corda. Um, before we get into you know the, the design of, of the of the protocol itself and 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 what R three has been up to um, in those five years. Um, how has um, the the offering or the tech changed and how has that impacted your roadmap over the last five years? I'm, I'm sure there's been some key lessons learned that have contribute, contributed to, to iterations along the way. Yeah, so um, people don't always realize this, but you know, R3 was not founded as a software firm. You know, I wasn't hired to to build a product. You know, the the original you know, the original vision, if you like, the or the original contract for that first year was to to run this exploratory collaborative working group. Um, mm. It was only the results of that, and they, they they appeared quite early on in that year, but um, but but they began to evolve over time. It was only the results of that that made us realize that the market, the world, needed a, a platform that was built built from the ground up to solve the problems we were discovering, because we were discovering things like the following: that yes, um, if you could ensure that all the parties to a complicated syndicated loan say were in sync, you know, all the different lenders received information about the underlying you know the, the underlying loan at the right time and in the right place if you could if you could solve that problem and remove all these inconsistencies and errors between firms it could be extraordinarily valuable if you could enable you know tokens representing you know, claims against a bank to move around between those banks that bank's customers without the bank having to sign off on every single transaction that could be insanely useful so mm -hmm. so we kind of validated the the underlying you know, belief that these these technological principles could solve problems in finance but what we also discovered, which again is, is obvious, but you have to go through the process, is that some of the things that take Bitcoin, for example, some of the things that are just like non-negotiable and have to work this way in Bitcoin um, are not appropriate for, for a banking scenario. For example, for good engineering reasons, the entire Bitcoin blockchain needs to be replicated to all nodes. Everybody has to be able to validate everything. There's a good reason for that, and it works that way as a result. We kind of have the opposite problem in, in finance, where the only people who should see a deal or know that it exists and then be in sync about it are the parties to that deal. It's not relevant right. to anybody else. What were the most critical features that you realized at the beginning would need to differ from Bitcoin's design? And what were the most pertinent components of Bitcoin that were both unique and useful in the context of an enterprise use case? Oh, great question. So... Um, so, so, so what is Corda? So Corda is a, is a platform for writing applications. So, so one way to think about it is, is a bit like Ethereum. You know, Ethereum by itself does nothing, but Ethereum allows you to write um, smart contracts and then allows you to deploy them. And, mm -hmm. and Corda is similar in that way, in that Corda allows software firms, banks, insurance companies, or anybody who wants to, to write applications where the purpose of those applications is to be deployed to and amongst all the participants in a market or who, who are executing a certain type of transaction. So rather than writing an application that runs inside one firm, as has been traditional in IT, mm -hmm. write an application that automates and improves the processes of an entire market, reinsurance, syndicated lending, or whatever it is. So it's mm -hmm. intent. So, it, so, it, so the idea is you can write an application, um, you write it once, and then all the participants deploy it. And the, the, the key problem that Corda is solving is that you know, for each piece of data being managed by this application, you know, a loan or an insurance policy or um, anything like that, the 
Corda makes sure that it is received by all the people who should have a copy and the copy they receive is, is identical. So everybody knows, you know, this is sort of the catchphrase we use, that when I'm looking at my Corda node, I know for sure that what I see is what you see. We both mm -hmm. know that we see the same thing, but critically and, and differently to some of the some of the um, some of the, you know, the true cryptocurrencies is you only see the things you're supposed to. You, you don't see um, you don't see transactions you're not supposed to, um, and you know, for, for the reasons I've just described. So so. So what, so, so what do you need to make that work? Well, you need the ability to write the applications. Well, you know, it's not sexy, but most application developers in large organizations, they don't know things like Solidity or Bitcoin Script. They know languages like Java or, or, um, or Kotlin. So we make it possible to write the applications in those, those languages um, on Corda. What we also discovered, and this was not part of my original vision, this was something that Mike Hearn um, you know, intuited the need for as we went, was that it's not sufficient to simply move around signed transactions to say, yes, you know, you know, I agree that this loan is now this value and it's between you and me. Um, it's not enough to, to create the transaction and sign it and then link it to the previous version as a chain of transactions with unspent outputs and all those things that, that, that you see in, say, a Bitcoin-style architecture. You need all those things. And Corda is heavily influenced by the Bitcoin UTXO model, but you also need some way of moving them around because you know before mm. you and I can sign a transaction that says you owe me a million dollars, well we have to negotiate it. You know what's the interest rate? Who else needs to be involved? We have to agree, and we have to have a way of describing how this data moves around the network. Who's responsible for doing which step next? So mm -hmm. almost by accident, we realized that we also had to build a decentralized workflow engine. We needed, the, a way, we needed a way to describe what each participant in the network's role was. You know, who's the buyer? Who's the seller? Who's the borrower? Who's the lender? We needed a way to describe that orchestration of, um, of, of behavior um, in a way that doesn't have a central, a central conductor, a central, um, a central controller. So we discovered mm -hmm. the need for, um, for, for additional features like that. So uh, how have clients' interests and requirements evolved over this time um, you know you started out trying to address you know the, the banking use case and seemed to be the most obvious sector for delivering results but um, you've also played in the areas of healthcare and trade finance and shipping and insurance and are these use cases um, now becoming easier sectors to to attack and, and solve problems with Corda? We designed Corda thinking its target market wasn't even just banks because we thought it was it was the back offices of investment banks because they were the original R three members. It was the big you know the big US dealer banks um, were the original um, the original backers of R three. So I thought I was building quite a excuse me quite a narrowly focused platform for for solving solving problems in, in the back offices of the big investment banks. Um, um, but I guess you could say we got lucky. We ended up with, and this is you know, partly because of you know, the partly because of the team. I hope some of it was my insight, a huge dollop of of luck and a huge dollop of insight from people like Mike Hearn. But we ended up with a design that, whilst it was it was derived from all these requirements in financial services, turned out serendipitously to be far more broadly applicable. Um, mm -hmm. And I was slow to realize that because I was fixated on these financial services use cases. And it was only when um, one of our um, you know, one of our senior um, senior executives in in the US, Ryan Rugg, kept um, kept badgering me that I realized because he kept saying to me, Richard, you don't realize you've built a platform that is perfect for insurance. Um, and I said, well, that's interesting, but that's not what I'm focused on. And it was only when we discovered that 
completely independently of us that various insurance consortia had independently discovered Corda and had built on the open source version that now begin to pay attention. So it's kind of great, I I say serendipity, but Mm. that doesn't happen very often in your career when you think think you've solved a narrow problem and then the market tells you you've actually actually solved a much broader problem. And then as you say, trade finance has been great, you know, Contour, Marco Polo, these big trade networks are using mm. it, healthcare, oil and gas, even gold trading, you know, trade wind markets up in, um, in North America were amongst the very first adopters of Corda, and then they're going great guns for the tokenization of gold. So how many projects and use cases do you think you guys have now out in the wild doing their thing? Oh, heavens. Um, I don't know, um, hundreds, literally hundreds, um, all at different levels of maturity. So we may come on to talk about some of the some of the, like the large scale production projects. There mm-hmm. are lots of small scale production projects, and then a whole bunch of others in the pipeline. Um, and I guess it's it's also part of the. Again, I keep using the word serendipity, but it is the serendipity of of the of the platform being open source. You know, it, it's core, the core Corda protocol, the code base that defines the protocol is open source. You go to GitHub slash Corda, there it is. So there's a whole bunch of people using it who we don't hear from until they've gone live and then they say you know what we'd like to pay for support on this or we'd like to have like better performance and then and then and then we discover that there's like there's people using it that we can then potentially sell the commercial version to if it's if it fits their needs so um for a while we had um it's something that we uh, we need to we need to um, refresh it but we had a we had a website called um, our marketplace where we showcased all the projects we were aware of and that was when i last looked at that it was a year or so ago and there were hundreds and it's only increasing then so it's it's been been quite a ride well and i think when people think about enterprise blockchain they don't necessarily you know correlate network effect with you know enterprise right they kind of seem to be disconnected in some way but what i'm hearing from you is that you know the the network effect has indeed um, triggered expansion and, and wider adoption across multiple different sectors um from from corda um just on so, that, just very quickly, I, I, mean, mm. I, I agree. I, I won't claim it's been easy, and I did have this. I did have this belief at first that eventually there will be a single global core network, like the single global Bitcoin or Ethereum network. Um, it hasn't played out like that yet. There is a core network. There are many different projects on it, but there are also a large number of standalone networks. And then the question then is, you know, well, is there a network effect between them? Technologically, not yet. Although it, you can integrate and interoperate between them, but there's this sort of like meta network effect which is you know people want to build on platforms that they know will be around for the long term so even if they mm-hmm. don't plan to integrate with each other people are making long-term bets so they want to see that the firm is hopefully well run you know well capitalized but also that it's, it's it's technologically on the right path so that they don't have to do a sort of handbrake turn in a year and replatform. so let's talk about um you know one of the more interesting projects um Spunta Banker DLT platform. Um, sounds like uh, you've got about 100 banks and 200 million transactions. Um, it was built on Corda. Tell us a little bit about that project. Yeah, this one's mad because it's, um, you know, it's, you, again, you, you, you build these things and it's always in the abstract. You, you, you build your platform and you hope people will use it. And then, you know, okay, I didn't wake up one day because we've been heavily involved and there's been like, it's been, it's been a hard process, but, um, but it's as if you wake up one day and you discover, like, oh my God, the Italian banking system now depends on Corda. Yeah. So, so the, so, so the idea here is, you know, you think about all the hundreds of different banks and all their branches um, in, in Italy, um, there's, there's a process, they, a fairly manual process until recently they were running um, to reconcile between them. So it doesn't sound that exciting, mm. but it, it's fundamental to the integrity of a country's banking 
banking system, checking that you know if uh, you know if, if one bank is holding a deposit with the other one, do they do they agree about the amount? Do they agree that uh, a payment from one to the other has been correctly recorded on each side? Um, so there's um, so it's it's an important process. In Italy, there are some interesting, I guess, interesting um, contextual factors that, that make it ripe for, <coughs> excuse me, that make it ripe for this kind of project. Um, there is a, um, a large network provider called SIA. You know, they are you know, a huge um, provider of infrastructure, big across continental Europe, but they've already linked securely all the banks in Italy. There is the Italian Banking Association and their labs, Abbey Labs, who heavily visionary and weren't just interested in doing POCs, but saw that they, they'd done the analysis. They realized that this specific reconciliation process was you know, time consuming manual, prone to error, and was absolutely perfect for the, you know, I know that what I see is what you see promise of Corda. Um, and then, and then they, so they selected Corda for this and then full credit to them, you know, they, they brought the industry with them. They brought the market with them. They went through many, many stages of development on this. It was a long process. And you've got to remember that we were building Corda at the same time. So they were very tolerant of us as the, um, you know, as Corda matured, we fixed problems, we evolved it to meet their needs. So it was so, it was so great to see it go live properly at the start of this year and then really ramp up in the last few weeks. So it's, um, yeah, it, but it's no, it's no small pressure because, you know, here I am as the, you know, as the CTO of R3, knowing that the integrity of the Italian banking system depends on our software. So it's this like formidable um, responsibility as well as a great feeling. Um, what's happening in the quarter space around fiat back tokens, CBDCs, collateral management systems? Um, what kind of work are you guys doing around settlement interoperability? Yep. So um, this is where I'm going to show my, um, I'm actually not fully up to speed on some of this. So, so there's, um, we've done a huge amount of, and I guess like every firm, we've done a huge amount of, of proofs of concept over the last few years, um, proving what it would, or showing what would be necessary for a central bank to issue a, you know, a claim on the sovereign, um, whether mm -hmm. it was you know, early work in, in, um, in, um, in Canada, Japan, Singapore. Um, um, I don't, there's another one we're involved in, but I don't know if it's public, so um, I won't say it, and then I can text you afterwards and you can add it over the top. So there's a whole bunch of work we're doing with CBDC. Um, but there's the other side of it, which is exactly as you say, which is it, if, you, if you look at our customers on, on, on using Corda, you know, they, they need the ability to settle now. And mm -hmm. it doesn't follow that the only way you can settle is with an on-ledger token. Clearly, that makes it easier in some cases. But, you know, the firms using Corda, the firms using, um, you know, all these different applications that have been deployed, um, they already have bank accounts. They already have integrations mm -hmm. to their existing banks. So, so we spent a lot of time, and we, the first version of this was something we called Corda Settler. The, the insight was, you know what? It's not necessary to settle across the same ledger as, as where the obligations live, provided when you as the payer have made the payment you, across whichever rails, you know, just through the domestic scheme, whatever you want, provided that once you've made it, you can prove you've done it irrevocably and, and, mm -hmm. and irrefutably to the recipient. Because the problem really with payments, or one of the big problems, is, is being able to reach consensus that it happened. So have I sent it to the right place? Did you receive it? You know, that, that's where the mess happens. So if I can, if we can use the flow framework in order to negotiate where I'll send the payment and what you as the recipient will accept as irrefutable proof, now the onus is on me as the payer. I make the payment, I get the proof. Maybe it's a signature from the recipient bank. Maybe it's a, Swift, a signature from Swift with whom we've also been doing work. I can now take that signature, attach it to the transaction on Corda and use that to move the smart contract to the completed state. And you as the recipient, 
you you don't you don't you don't get the right to mess around and say it hasn't arrived because I've provided the proof. So we stay in consensus, and all that mess and pain of payments goes away. So so net net, we're trying to do both. We're trying we're doing a lot of work on bringing central bank or commercial bank backed tokens onto the platform, and there's quite a few advanced projects there. But also accepting and acknowledging that in many cases, simply being able to settle across existing whales is is perfectly fine for many. And the problem to be solved there is how do you prove you've done it? Okay, so uh, what's next, Richard? What's on your roadmap for the next 12 to 24 months? What, what are you most excited to see get developed? So a few things. So I guess there's 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 Corda, there's customers, and there's um and then there's 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 broadening the offering. So customers first. There's you know we've just heard all this noise about and news about um, you know, Spunter really hitting prime time. There's a whole bunch of other projects behind them that are in early 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 go live that will really hit scale next year. So I'm really looking forward to seeing sort of like you know, the real scale out of the trade networks like Marco Polo and, and Contour and things like that. Um, there's a whole bunch of work being done with digital assets that I've not even talked about such as the work being done by the Swiss Digital Exchange and, and mm -hmm. projects like that. So there's some, there's some MasterCard have been very open about what they're doing with, um, with, with Corda. So there's some big firms doing um, some projects that should all really hit the mainstream um, later this year or into 2021. Corda itself, and we're deep in planning for what we're calling Corda 5. So everything we've learned from all this work over the last five years, we're using that to, to figure out where we should evolve the platform. How do we make it, and it doesn't sound that exciting, but how do we make it easier to deploy? How do we make it easier to upgrade? How do we make it easier to write apps? You know, all, all the hygiene stuff that takes takes POCs, and so it takes, takes projects and makes them repeatable and repeatable mm -hmm. and affordably. And then the final thing, and this is a lot of my focus right now, is actually broadening the offering. Because if we, if we go back all the way to the beginning, you know, what were we talking about? We we're talking about you know, how do you get participants in a market? How can they collaborate and cooperate better around their data for some better outcome for them and their customers? And mm -hmm. Cordra Blockchain is all about, you, know, you and I have done a deal. How do we ensure we're in sync? But, there's, but, when, but once you start building platforms and you roll stuff out like in Italy, where all these firms are talking to each other, it's not just about sharing data. Often there's some like there's some outcome you want where you can't share the data. And, and, and there's like a, a very simple example is let's imagine all the manufacturers in a country of a particular widget, they, they're desperate to know what their market share is. But you can't share your sales data with your competitors. It's probably anti-competitive and also it's, you know, it's commercially sensitive. Mm. But, if you could, but if each of you could share your sales data with some trusted party in the middle, they could add it together and then give you the total and you could calculate your market share. But of course, that central party would then be really powerful. And that's the basis, mm -hmm. I guess, of many market data firms. That's how they make mm -hmm. their money. You know, you generalize that and, it's, it, and it, you end up with um, you know, business models like Bloomberg's and so forth. But given that we're already building out these networks that allow these firms to talk to each other and share data, the only missing piece is the ability to centralize that data, perform a calculation and send it back without that central party seeing anything. And that's, that's the essence of something called confidential computing, which it'd be like is a, a sister technology to blockchain. We've been working on this for several years because we need it for a particular privacy aspect of Corda, um, but we're now in beta and it will GA at the start of next year, a product called Conclave, which is all about allowing you, and it kind of sounds counterintuitive, but it will allow firms to build applications where I can send data to you and I will know exactly what you will do with it. I'll be able to know that you'll do one thing 
but you can do nothing else. So I could mm-hmm. send my sales data to you. You can calculate the average and send it back, but you couldn't publish it on the front page of the New York Times. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that idea of making it easy to share data whilst being able to control how it's used, um, we're, we're making that mainstream. We're making it easy to use, um, and that will be generally available um, next year. Fantastic. Richard, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Um, I haven't seen you since uh, pre-lockdown, so it's nice to see your face. And uh, thanks for coming on and, and giving us an update on what's been happening at R3. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you.